Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And Scott, uh, I'm feeling a little bit of deja vu today on Monday. Uh, Jim Dolan gave an interview with ESPN, discussed the possibility of maybe being open to selling the Knicks, said there had been feelers, I think is the word he used, for $5 billion. I feel like every four or five months here in New York, we get into some discussion about, is Jim Dolan going to sell the Knicks? Are the Knicks and the Rangers for sale, etc.? I'm going to go back because I know you hate this. You didn't even mention Michael Barr is off. It's just a, you are playing the role of Michael Barr today. We didn't do the we. Do we miss Barr? Let's see if he, if he really listens again to the show. Do I we, miss Barr. You miss, I miss yeah. Barr, too. I think we. I think the audience misses Barr, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's he's a, in he's agreement. He's a loved character, Everybody's Michael Barr. Yes. Speaking of loved characters, Jim Dolan, I'm sorry, you said what? <laughs> you like that segue? You like nice, that one? Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on this one. Do I believe in any way that Jim Dolan is selling the Knicks? No. A couple of months ago, as a matter of fact, on the record saying, I'm not selling the Knicks. And then two months before that, MSG was on the record saying Jim yeah. Dolan is not selling the Knicks. But Jim, as the head of this publicly traded company, and he even pointed this out, he cannot say, I won't sell. He has to consider the shareholders and what's best for them in everything. But he doesn't want to sell. His family has control of the company, voting control. So Jim loves owning the New York Knicks. He loves owning the Rangers of Madison Square Garden. Just don't see him parting with this, with these assets. Just to entertain it for a second, he, he mentioned uh, offers around $5 billion. Um, the team certainly seems like it would be worth worth less than that from a dollars and cents standpoint. But what do you think in the open market, the, the New York Knicks, probably one of the two premier NBA franchises? Yeah, if you're doing for? straight up valuation, that that would be a high number. But you and I know there are trophy assets out there. And this certainly would be at, at the pyramid of trophy assets in sport. This sits right on top. Especially and, if the arena is involved. And you, Yeah, I mean, obviously you'd like to have the arena. He's got the arena. He's got the network. That's how it's set up to run. That's how you maximize the synergies of all of it. He's got the other entertainment venues as well, the Beacon Theater. Um, but would there be a stock full runway of prospective buyers? Yeah. This is the New York Knicks in a real auction. And I'm selling for whatever. I mean, what did Jerry Jones tell Bloomberg not ten, long ago? Ten, ten million. Ten yeah. million, but, and here we go. Ten million, <laughs> but I'm not selling. And you know what? I'm not even sure I want to laugh at Jerry Jones for the amount of cash that that league spits out and what that stadium does and the real yeah. estate. Yeah, I'm not going to laugh at Jerry Jones for ten billion. But it's it feels a lot like that here. You know, and you said we've heard it before. But as you know, commissioners regularly vet prospective buyers just in case they don't want to start the process anew if you're interested if you've got the cash or if you've got a group and you're really interested in buying a professional sports team you can make sure the leagues are aware maybe you go through a banker they can pre-vet you that you can sit you can it's almost like a pre-approval a not a, not official pre-approval so if the Knicks ever hit the market Adam Silver can go into that drawer, take out the file, prospective owners, phone call, boom, 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 boom. These are the folks we know, friends of the program, who have the means and who have the desire to own a sports team. 
how much do you read into kind of the changes that we've seen in Madison Square Garden as a company? What, a couple of years ago, they split the, the entertainment and the media businesses. Yeah. Now there's a, a plan in place to split sports from Get the, the teams live off the businesses. Yeah, the, the sports are different. Um, they, they think they can maximize shareholder value as separate companies. And there are people that read that, see that in the tea leaves as setting it up to make moving one or both of these teams easier Sounds like you're not, and I don't think I am either, in the camp of, of, of leaning towards that way. No, I think I think this is sort of a best practices, efficiencies maneuver. They think they can better serve the shareholders as different companies, and that's fine. I don't know enough about the intricate workings of the entertainment division and, and how to separate them that way. Um, but it does make sense that you would think the like-minded, the similar companies would operate better as a standalone unit. But again, it all goes back to the overarching question. Does Jim Dolan have any desire to no longer be the owner of these assets? And nothing he has said, nothing he has done, shows me that Jim is ready to relinquish control of the sports teams. MSG stocks spiked about 6% early on Monday morning as soon as the news of this I think we're going to see a settling, sort of a, a, a normalcy, a, a, a let's really think about this settling uh, back down I to where agree. it was. I hope if there is ever actually news on this that, that Jim Dolan gives it in, in song form. <laughs> JD in the JD straight, in shot, the straight single. shot I'm selling the Knicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Written and performed yep. live this by Jim Dolan. This time it's real. I'm selling the Knicks. That was <laughs> good, it. Jim Dolan, boy. <laughs> so let's move from, from one NBA owner to another. Out in Phoenix, managing partner of the Suns, Robert Sarver, got himself in a little bit of hot water. A little feud, I guess, between between the team itself and a newspaper, the Arizona Republic, uh, about whether, <laughs> whether or not uh, Robert Sarver has threatened the city, threatened to move the Suns if they don't participate uh, with, with a hefty paycheck for a new arena. Hold on. I'm going to turn over my piece of paper here. Yeah, talking about deja vu, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> going to write down playbook for owners seeking taxpayer funds for I'm gonna, I'll even separate improvements, mm. comma, slash, new facility. I mean, come on. Man, you could sell this, by the way. I, save that. Save sell that it. Paper. Everybody knows it. It's been run a thousand <laughs> times. The question is, did Robert Sarver underestimate sort of the blowback already from fans saying, uh, no, 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 no. You're worth how much this is an entertainment. Did you see the... Uh, the town meeting where I, I I'm gonna guess her age. I'm gonna say octogenarian. I don't know. I where, did see where the older woman stood up and she was like, "Shame on you. We do not want taxes going to entertainment." And then she got personal on Sarver. She called him like what so tight he squeaks when he walks yeah, or something. Yeah, she, walks, she got which a little, is fantastic. She yeah. got a little personal on Sarver, but this is not exactly a beloved organization in town that has such a grand history of success the team is certainly the not good. team <laughs> has not been good yeah i mean arizona boy it's it's tough but yeah he, he may have overestimated the leverage uh, imagine a, when you say well we'll go and your fan base says okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops which i'm it's kind of what happened with the Chargers in some ways, right? I mean, there there is yeah. a, certainly there are some fans that wanted them to stay, but you know we've seen recently, you know, a lot of these teams that have been threatening to leave, especially in the NFL, have been threatening to leave for a while, have ended up going. And I don't know if that lays bare the the, the playbook or, or makes it stronger. Uh, in Phoenix, 
that what it's a hundred and fifty million dollar arena deal. The Suns would be willing to put in eighty million of that, so a little bit more than half. Um, and that's a city council vote that hasn't happened yet. I think it was postponed. Uh, the, the Arizona Republic said that you know Sarver mentioned. Seattle and uh, Las Vegas as potential towns that he could take the team to. Yeah, but that was his then, big mistake, Evan. Yeah, and, but then they walked back that report saying that those two cities specifically were not mentioned. Um, and then the, the, the team itself has vehemently denied uh, making any sort of threat. Well, so that would, be the, smart way. That would be the smart way to play because you don't have to say it. Who among us would not write, should there be some sort of squabble or disagreement as to who's going to pay? Who wouldn't make it plainly clear to those residents that, you know, historically, franchises do have several options available to them. One of those is relocation. And if you hadn't noticed, there's a building now in Seattle that has an NHL team and David Bonderman and Tim Laiwicki. They would love to bring a basketball team, a nice second anchor tenant to that facility. You don't have to make the threat. I'm not saying they did. I'm saying you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, the playbook we know. What, what, what are the options? You either pay, somebody pays for you, or you leave. There you go. Another thing for, for listeners out there who might not know, there are constantly groups around the country working to bring a insert your league here team to Louisville, that city. Kansas City, yeah, you, Portland, you, you MLB, Portland, Las Vegas yeah. has groups working for all the other major sports that it doesn't Montreal. doesn't have right now. Montreal, there is Mexico always <laughs> people talking behind the scenes and it's happening more publicly I think in MLS this this year than, than so almost sure any other the league. Scenes. Some of it's, in, it's Sure, and, and some of it bubbles yeah. up, but there is always people working about trying to put together stadium deals yes. if and when a team comes, trying to lure and you know as we've talked about, a lot of owners in other cities are, are willing to at least hear those conversations or use them to leverage their way into into more money from their from their constituents. Hey, if I was an owner, that's what I would do. You, you, you use what you, use <laughs> you have whatever, the playbook written yeah, down right here. Playbook, use whatever <laughs> leverage you got, and uh, relocation is certainly the big one. Yeah. So let's move on. One more. I don't know. Did you read the outside the lines piece on concessions last week? All right. Week? I'm I, I'm going to have to fess up. No, I was in once again. I spent most of my weekend in you can fill in the blank, an ice rink. Four nothing victory, by the way. Jackson shut out against the PAL Islanders. <laughs> Not a big deal. Anybody's no, thank you, Seth Sylvan, for coming. Now I didn't see it, but here's the thing: if you, <laughs> if I was an editor and somebody came to me with an idea of I want to do an investigation on ballpark food and the and the violations and the safety, you know, all, all the health mm-hmm. department, all, all that, I'm like, you better come to me with like 38 foot rats running pictures in the kitchen because if you come to me with there's a whole slew of violations. That's darn well what I'm expecting to hear. Yeah, and that's kind of where I wanted to start the discussion because I, when I clicked on the story, my thought was, I, I think I know what. The, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm going to be appalled <laughs> by what by what this thing found. But more nachos, um, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it going to change my opinion? Um, but the the numbers are are fairly damning. They, they reviewed 16,000 uh, food safety inspection reports at a hun- over 100 venues across the U.S. 30 percent of the of the venues had more than half of their individual stations that had high risk reports. That's Yankee it? Yankee Stadium, for example, 80 percent of 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 the kitchens in Yankee Stadium. Uh, had high-level violations in 2016-17. I, I don't want to put you on the there spot, were, there but were you, other, can you quantify what a high-level violation means? Yeah, so it, it ranges from, I mean, it's, again, there's there's different tiers. Don't uh, give me the, the, the well, most, like, under-temperature stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the most popular, I guess, ways that you get that violated is pests. 
Yeah. You know, so the uh-huh. mice and ter- and you know cockroaches pop up all over. Okay. Um, They're and, serving cockroaches and ants and, and things non-sanitary days. conditions, which I guess Ugh. workers washing their hands yeah. or you know non-clean workspaces, etc. But, you know, as, as, as a lot of people know, concession services are, are usually outsourced. You yes. know, this, there's big companies like Aramark. There's Levy. There's Legends, which does a lot of work at Yankee Stadium. Uh, there, there, there's Center Plate. I wonder if this, a report like this, which, which you're right, doesn't, certainly doesn't, I don't think it surprises anyone in that, oh, yeah, maybe the, the food you're eating isn't, isn't the healthiest let, or the so cleanest. So we're going to unpack the, un, unload the trucks on, on, on the slats and let's not put it in sort of the dirty rainwater. Yeah, that's that a good kind, idea. That kind yeah. of deal. Worth mentioning that the that the concession business in sports obviously is a huge one, two billion dollars yeah. by recent estimates. That's two entire global esports businesses. Let, let me tell just, you how this uh, is going to play out for you. Let me tell you how this is going to play out for you and you and me. Next time we go to these events, my, I know me, my kid's going to ask for a hot dog or chicken fingers or something. <laughs> I'm going to step and I'm going to give a little looky looky whatever. I'm going to buy said hot dog. I'm going to buy said chicken fingers. I'm going to give it to <laughs> Feed him. Feed them to. Yes, I will watch as he devours it, and I will probably, you know, rinse and repeat. And you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested just in the numbers. That's great. But again, if I'm the editor, there, there needs to be a shock. I need to have some shock value, and I just didn't get it. Though. I'm not saying it's a bombshell, but I do think sports fans uh, could, could, could do themselves a service and read it. All right. Well, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Scott Soshnick, along with Eben Novi-Williams. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.